Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God." And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About 50 years ago, the astronauts on board the Apollo 17 spacecraft took a photograph known as the Blue Marble. You know this picture. It was, for a time, the image of the environmental movement, reproduced on posters, T-shirts, flags, coffee mugs. This was the first clear image we had of the planet Earth floating in the inky black vastness of space. The blue marble forever changed the way we conceived of our planet and our place in the universe. All these years later, the photo is still haunting, humbling, and awe-inspiring. The same qualities many of us would ascribe to the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John does not look to people or events to begin the story of the incarnation. He doesn't tell of a young pregnant woman and her fiancé. He doesn't paint a picture of shepherds in the fields serenaded by angels or magi following an unusually bright star. John's beginning is not confined to time or space or location. John's beginning is about the beginning, the beginning of the beginning, the beginning of the universe, the beginning of all there is. And what John tells us is that that very first beginning and every beginning since has been and always will be about God, 
who is not only the creator of our world and everything that is, but who has chosen to be with God's creation in a profoundly tangible way as a flesh and blood human being, subject to all the agony and ecstasy of human life. In a Christmas article solicited by the New York Times years ago, but ultimately deemed too theological to run in the paper, Frederick Beekner asks the question, how is God with us? Yes, Christmas is the celebration of Emmanuel, God with us, but how is this God with us, and what does it all mean? According to Beekner, the claim that Christianity makes for Christmas is that at a particular time and place, God came to be with us himself. When Quirinius was governor of Syria in a town called Bethlehem, a child was born. The one who inhabits eternity comes to dwell in time. The one whom none can look upon and live is delivered in a stable under the soft, indifferent gaze of cattle. The father of all mercies puts himself at our mercy. Beekner goes on, For those who believe in the transcendence and total otherness of God, it radically diminishes him. For those who do not believe in God, it is the ultimate absurdity. For those who stand somewhere between belief and unbelief, it challenges credulity in a new way, testing humankind's whole view of what is possible and real. He concludes, year after year, the ancient tale of what has happened is told, raw, preposterous, holy. And year after year, the world in some measure stops to listen. It is one of the most remarkable things about the seasons of Advent and Christmas and the scriptures that go with them. They invite us to stop and listen. Even if we only stop after a flurry of activity as we try to meet the cultural demands of the season, even if by the time we get to Christmas we are too tired to do anything but listen, there is something about this time that causes humanity to hold still, if just for a moment. It's what we sing about in so many of our carols, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Advent and Christmas awaken in us an inclination to hold still and listen. For a moment, we might actually look and feel like that blue marble of a planet hanging in space, appearing for all the universe like a world utterly quiet and calm and peaceful. Even now, in this moment, this fourth Sunday of Advent, with Christmas on the horizon, 
In the midst of all the disorienting and discouraging news of the day, we can hold still. Take a breath and listen to the haunting, humbling, awe-inspiring mystery of the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth. To understand just how extraordinary a claim John is making with these words right at the start of his gospel, we have to understand what he meant by the word with a capital W. This is an English translation of the Greek word logos, and not unlike Luke, John is building a bridge between his Jewish and Gentile readers. His Jewish readers would have heard those words, in the beginning, the word, and been transported immediately to the book of Genesis, the first line of their sacred scriptures. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. They would have known that God created not by waving a magic wand or cooking up a brew of universe soup, but by speaking light into existence with words. Let there be light. In the beginning was the word. John's Gentile readers understood logos to mean the logic that permeates and structures the universe, the divine reason that orders and gives meaning to everything that is. Jews and Gentiles alike would have surely marveled at the claim John makes, that in the birth of Jesus, the one true God, the creator of our world and our universe, who gives reason and order and meaning to all, this God came to be with us, and not just to be with us, but to be flesh and blood with us, to live and work and love and suffer alongside us. In a Christmas special of the British drama Call the Midwife, which is set in London in the 1950s and 60s, a young couple about to have their first baby is less worried about the baby and more concerned about the father-to-be who fought for the British in Korea and came home afflicted with what we now call post-traumatic stress disorder. He suffered terrible nightmares and flashbacks and unexpected noises could send him into episodes of severe anxiety that would last for days. After his young wife goes into labor, one of the midwives, perhaps trying to distract her from her labor pains, asks the mother-to-be about her husband's episodes. It gets him like this every now and then, the young wife says. Malaria brings it on, or bad things happening. We manage. You really understand him, don't you? 
says the midwife. He understands me, the wife responds. We do nice things together. We always did, ever since we met dancing. Except when he went to Korea. I always think, if I could have gone, if it could have been me, too, I could have shared the things that hurt him, and then I could share the things that hurt him now. The pain would be halved. That's what sharing does. That's what love does. Whatever else John's beginning teaches us, may it first be this. In every moment, in every circumstance, God is with us. Whether we reject God or accept God, whether we ignore God or take time to stop and notice God, God is with us, sharing our pain, that it may be just a fraction easier to bear, sharing our joy, too, that it may be a fraction more joyful. As mundane as it can seem to say, we need Advent and Christmas again every year. We need Matthew's genealogy and Mark's John the Baptist. We need Luke's Zechariah and Elizabeth and John's wondrous description of the Word made flesh. We need reminders that the miracle of God with us is a subtle thing. It looks like this. An unusually bright star, a pinprick of light in the night sky, shepherds in a field, wise ones on a journey, a pregnant young couple tired and waiting, a baby sleeping the deep sleep of a newborn tired out from his journey from womb to world. A world suspended in space, held in love by a creator who goes to extraordinary lengths to reveal that love. The incarnation is the promise that God is with us in all these things and in all things, from the mundane to the extraordinary. And to experience this with us, God, the light that cannot be overcome by the darkness, we hold still. We honor silence. We sit with the darkness long enough to see the tiniest pinprick of light. We practice the presence of God, whose word is born anew within us and among us and for us in every moment. All we have to do is hold still with one another, which is what the church invites us to do in Advent, to allow ourselves a moment to rest, 
in the inky black darkness of space, to light candles against the dark, to seek calm and stillness and peace in the midst of disruption and fear, to marvel and wonder at the good news of the gospel, that Jesus is how much God loves us, that Jesus is how God comes to be with us, then, now, and always. Amen.